afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Notre Dame Stadium. Zivikowski trying to get to the outside. He has blockers in front. Time for Zivikowski. Belong to beat. Shakes it off. To the five and touchdown. And now it is down. It is over. And the Irish have knocked off number one Clemson. Brady Quinn looking. Pump fakes. He rolls to the near side. Throws it. It's caught by Samaja. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. He's going in. Notre Dame has scored. Jones is the back. He's got it again. And Jones a letter room. Tony Jones makes a cut. Gets a block. And scores. Is that the play that will seal the playoff bid for Fighting Irish? What's up, everybody? And welcome to Sons of Saturday Irish. I'm Tyler. He's Luke. And today... We're going to preview Notre Dame's upcoming matchup against a familiar foe in the Navy Midshipmen. Uh, We're just a few days removed from Notre Dame's best win for the program in a long, long time as the Irish smacked the previously fourth-ranked Clemson Tigers last Saturday. And if you haven't watched or listened to our recap uh, of that game yet, I highly encourage you to go back and do so. But Luke, this is a very important game on Saturday as the Irish look to close out the season strong, finish 9-3, and carry this wave of momentum into a bowl game and through the offseason. But before we get to the matchup on Saturday, let's set the record straight on this one time and one time only. We won't do it again for the rest of this episode. We've expressed our feelings about the Navy series many times on this podcast. We don't like it and think this series should have ended years ago, to be honest. Uh, We understand the history. We do. Please spare us the history lesson in our Twitter mentions. Trust me, we get it. We believe the debt has been paid tenfold over the past 80-plus years, and by playing every Navy every season, it negatively impacts the current team every single time. Those are the facts. Uh, I don't think those are disputable, but did I did I cover it, Luke? Right. I think that's pretty much it. Um, it's clear Notre Dame is never going to take this game off the schedule, so there's no point in bemoaning it anymore. Um, we don't like it. If you do like it, that's your own opinion. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Um, because lately I've been called the gatekeeper too many times and what apparently (laughs) whatever I say is the only answer. Uh, it's not how I'm trying to purport myself, but yeah, personally, uh, I could care less about this. It's been paid back. So, so be it. Um, but if it's going to stay on the schedule, then we just got to deal with that. And, uh, (laughs) just please, please stop trying to teach me history. I get it. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) And this isn't a respect for the military thing. Like, do we have to no. go over our, our – Luke, yeah, would you our like own, to share your our, family our background? <laughs> no, but just let, I don't, I don't need to get into that. But if I see one more person try to do that, I, I might lose my mind. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, there we go. I think we covered it. Moving on. Thank you to those of you who are watching us on YouTube. Please like the video below and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And if you're listening to the podcast, uh, give us a rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're tuning in from – Uh, Here's a quick word from our sponsors, and then we will dive into the 2022 rendition of the Notre Dame Navy game. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. All right, let's, let's look at the NBA slate. Are there any games you're looking out for this weekend? 
I'm still pretty excited for the Cavs Warriors game tomorrow night. It's the first time that those two teams have played since the uh, the finals, where it actually meant something. Real quick, uh, Prop Twenty Seven failed in California this week. Prop Twenty Seven historically ba- failed. Yeah, historically failed. Eighty five percent no, I think was the final tally. Basically, Prop Twenty Seven was just going to uh, if it passed, it would legalize online gambling in California. The negative ads. If there's any California listeners who are listening, you know what I'm talking about. They were absurd. Um, and they clearly worked because it didn't pass, and now I can't use DraftKings in my own home state. So I just wanted to address that right off the top. Yeah, that is tough. Um, as for me, we have the Bulls hosting the the Nuggets on Sunday night. Um, you know, why not play around? This isn't part of the promo, but there are some some options there for you to parlay across multiple sports. You could do. The old, trusty, reliable uh, Chicago parlay. We got the Bears hosting the Lions. Make your way over to the to the Soldier Field in the morning. Although I wouldn't, I would advise against <laughs> that actually. But if you want to, then you can make your way over to the United Center at night and, and see the Bulls take down Nikola Jokic and, and company. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that one on Sunday night. Um, should be a fun one. I like that a lot, actually. I think the Bulls got a chance to that one. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the only time I've done that this year was uh, the the Chicago parlay was when the Bears beat the Patriots and the Bulls beat the Celtics on the same night. So that was a pretty good payout. Um, So anyways, speaking of payouts, with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where we go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code SOS. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code SOS. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. This episode is sponsored by Haas Company, a lifestyle brand that's about being the best version of yourself. Be the Haas. The Haas lives life without reservations, without doubt, and ready to answer the call each and every day. Check out their website at bethehaas.com and use promo code SUNS for 15% off on your next order. Check them out. This episode is also supported by Roback. Shop game-changing active wear with Roback for those who crave activity. Use the promo code SUNSND, that's S-O-N-S-N-D, to get 20% off your next order in the entire store at Roback.com. But we encourage all of our listeners to check out the Shamrock Polo, which would look great on Irish fans everywhere. That's promo code SUNSND at R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com. All right, now as we turn the page here uh, to the Navy game, I think there's a few things we should uh, sort of wrap up regarding the Clemson game. So after that impressive win by the Irish, they moved up to number 20 in the AP poll and number 20 in the CFP poll as well. Clemson dipped to 10th in the CFP. Do you have any thoughts on Notre Dame's ranking and just being back in the top 25? It just doesn't really matter. Um, And honestly, 20 is I'm totally okay with when you take into account that this team did lose to Marshall and Stanford, so um, I, I think that that's totally fine. I'm a little bit surprised Clemson didn't dip a little bit down further, just based on kind of what some of the national perception was of Clemson coming out of that game. But um, I guess it's a it's kind of a reminder that in a 12 team playoff, like Notre Dame, theoretically the door would still be open here a little bit, like even if it's just slightly open. So that's something to look forward to in a couple of years, I guess. I don't have a lot of thoughts. Um, I think the only thought I have about <clears throat> Clemson is that it was interesting. I was thinking about that field storming, and I meant to bring this up the other day. Like That game was such a blowout that I almost felt like it was going to be too anticlimactic to storm the field, uh, um, if that makes any sense. Um, and it wasn't, and I'm really glad that those fans got that moment because I think it was, it was well-deserved and earned at that time. But I kind of want to get to a point where next year, I mean, we got Ohio State and USC at home. 
you beat both those teams. I'm hoping that USC game is like a top five matchup, and you have the players telling the fans to stay in the stands. Like I remember when Notre Dame basketball had a really good team in 2015. They yep. beat Duke so at home, thinking. and Jaron Grant and Pat Connaughton were like, "What are you guys doing? Like we we have bigger fish to fry. We expected to win this game. That's where I want our football program to be next year. Um, it was totally fine and, and fun this past weekend, but that's what I'm looking forward to getting to that place. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think part of it was a carryover from that 2020 field storm where Mm -hmm. the students caught a lot of flack for that because it was still during the pandemic. But same thing at the time. I was like, you know what? Those students have had to go through hell. Let them storm the field, whatever. There have been safety measures taken then. So it was cool to see them enjoy it. We actually, we did get some comments uh, that we sounded like old men yelling at a cloud in our recap for saying we didn't like the kid uh, and the picture that went viral uh, of the Notre Dame student, I'm assuming he's a Notre Dame student, in sunglasses at night who's flipping off Blake Miller on the field after the game. Look, we have no problem with the field storm, and we know that some of the students are going to talk trash to Clemson fans. That's fine. Like that, You're going to get that anywhere. That's not really the point. The point was that kid, that specific kid, is not cool for doing that. And I feel like I know him. Am, am I judging a book by its cover here? Yeah, a little bit. We all do it. Whatever. Get off my back. Um, if Blake Miller had just shoved him into the ground, which he could have done with ease, then that kid's probably filing a lawsuit. So I just don't think it's that cool to chirp when the other person can't chirp back. And don't get me wrong. I did that plenty of times at high school student sections, but I felt like we needed to address that. Right. I mean, that kid is the the blacked out underclassman who shows up at a legacy party and just like <laughs> starts talking trash to the kids that live there. And they're like, dude, why are you even here? Like, get out of here. The kid was such a geek. Um, I, I'm kind of surprised nobody's identified him yet. I, I would I would kind of like to, to put a name to the face. But um, yeah. Yeah. We just need to get that out of the way. That's like it's your opinion, but it, it's in this instance, you are wrong if you think that was cool. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's us growing showing some maturity. Look I don't know about look. that, but anyways. <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you, though, because you know the fallout from that game, I'm still riding the high from it. I think we all are. Uh, but it just it feels a little bit different when Notre Dame's not in the college football playoff picture. Uh, those losses are a stain that can't be removed. I'm referring to Marshall and Stanford, not the Ohio State one. I think it leads to a bigger question here about Notre Dame and what that game means going forward, not just for this season, but looking beyond. Do you think Notre Dame truly turned a corner in their win over Clemson? We'll see. Uh, it kind of seems weird to, to say this, but I, I almost feel like this is going to be a different kind of test. Uh, Navy's actually been really good against the run this year, but I'd like to see if Notre Dame can truly stick to its identity here and continue to just run the ball at will um, against a rush defense that's been pretty good. I think on the other side of the ball, I'm also really eager to see if the level of physicality that the defense played with last week persists against a lesser opponent because they were ready to go last week and really playing more physically than I can remember them playing in a long time. I mean, that goes to the corners. It was really impressive. Um, the point about not being in the college football playoff, though, and maybe this is just me being optimistic, but it's almost like because that's not hanging over you, there's more of an opportunity here to really keep building on what they've established the last few weeks because you don't have to worry about we're losing a game and we're knocked out. Like You can just kind of keep rolling without any pressure and and building towards next season. And I think the way that they showed up against Clemson, um, hopefully that translates and that gives them all the confidence in the world. And and knowing that the opportunity to play spoiler in the last game of the year is probably still going to be there should USC get by UCLA, um, I'd like to see that this this continue. So that's that's just it's more 
you know, I don't know how many times he said, what is there to look forward to this year? Uh, but I'm back again where there's stuff to look forward to. Oh, there definitely is. Uh, I really am looking forward to that USC game. I've been looking forward to it really since the moment that Lincoln Riley took the job there. And in a weird way, as much as I hate USC, I really hope they beat UCLA because I want mm-hmm. that game to have a lot of meeting. I, w- I want Notre Dame to be the one who spoils their playoff chances because I don't, I don't think oh, they're yeah. making it. I think they're a very flawed team, uh, but they are talented. And I'd love to see Notre Dame end it on the last game of the regular season. This isn't a bigger game for the program this Saturday. That's not what I'm saying here. But I'm very interested to see how Notre Dame comes out on Saturday because I was surprised by the way that Notre Dame was so dominant over Clemson, but I wasn't surprised that they won just based on what we've seen from Notre Dame this season. They've really played up to uh, teams that are ranked or have had success this season, but it's been the complete opposite against teams or against inferior competition. So uh, I think Notre Dame certainly took a step in the right direction on Saturday, but the issue has been in games like the one Notre Dame has against Navy. And Luke, correct me if I'm wrong here. Notre Dame has been a double-digit favorite four times a season. And in those games, they lost to Marshall, barely beat Cal after struggling for the majority of that game, lost to Stanford, and they did beat UNLV by 23, but I think that game left a lot for every fan watching. Uh, It left a lot to be desired and was maybe the most uninspiring 23-point win of all time. So that's sort of the way I look at this season, and and particularly uh, this weekend. Right. Um, I guess the positive news is that they're once again not playing at home. Um, so uh, maybe it's easier to get up in a cool NFL stadium. But it is weird. Another early, early kick. So we'll see. But yeah, they have not, as discussed at length, have not performed well in these sort of spots this season. Yeah, so let's dive right into it. The Irish head of Baltimore. They take on Navy in M&T Bank Stadium. That's home of the Baltimore Ravens. Another noon Eastern game. That means 9 a.m. Pacific uh, for me over here on the West Coast. The game will be on ABC. We got Dave Fleming and Dan Orlovsky uh, on the call. Quick aside here. What are your thoughts on Dan Orlovsky? Because I like him, but I so people have some really polarizing opinions about him. I like him. He can just... He's kind of like Colin Coward, um, if that makes any kind sense. Like in his like, goofiness? Yeah, they're likable, but then sometimes they just say some things where it's like, where is that coming from? Just very over the top on a lot of things. Never in a bad way, really, but, well, that's not true, actually. I'm thinking about um, when the Bears played the Browns last year and Fields got sacked like 12 times and Orlovsky went out. He was right on this tangent about how Nagy just had coaching malpractice that game. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I like him largely. Yeah, I like him too. I, I think he can, when he goes on first take and stuff, he sort of leans into that side of being just like a sensationalist and just screams. But when it comes to breaking down film, I mean, today he posted on his Twitter page two clips of Notre Dame's running game that really impressed him. And I thought it was really insightful analysis. So I like him, but some some people don't. Uh, so he'll be on the call this weekend. Uh, and something that I thought was really interesting, as of right now, we're recording this on Thursday morning, Notre Dame is favored by 15 and a half with an over-under at 39 and a half that suggests something like a 28 to 13 win for Notre Dame which doesn't look very satisfying on paper I have to say and I think the line opened at 20 and a half I saw that somewhere so it seems like a lot of money has been put on Navy uh, to cover the past week do you make anything of that not really um yeah for I think I may have seen 19 or something it could have been 20 and a half though I mean the only thing that like really sticks out is it sounds like Brandon Joseph isn't going to play but I don't know how much of a difference that makes against a triple option team with your safety out so yeah I don't know so what are your overall thoughts on, on the game on Saturday 
If Notre Dame sticks to who they are offensively, there shouldn't be any issues. Um, like I said, Navy has been good against the run this year, but I think Notre Dame proved last week that right now they can run the ball on just about anybody. Um, I'm not, I'm not really have any nervousness about this game. I just kind of would like to get through it. You will not be there, though. Is that correct? No, I got two uh, two big seventh grade basketball games to coach this weekend, <laughs> Friday and Sunday night. So I'm not going to make the trip to Baltimore. How's the squad looking this year? I don't know. Season openers tomorrow night, but uh, we've had a good couple practices to start this year. So two big conference tilts to, to open here. They throw you right into the fire. So we'll see how it goes. It's nice that they don't have games on Saturdays. I mean, it's a bummer. You can't really get to watch well, the NFL on Sundays. They do next Saturday, so I will not be at Boston College. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, man. Committed. I know. You're not going to go see the return of Phil Dracovic? I don't know if he's going to play. He <laughs> probably hurt. shouldn't play. Honestly, yeah. with how bad their offensive line is. What's the turnout? How many players you got on this team? I'm, I'm pretty fixated on this group you got. This might have to be a recurring segment every week, Luke's coaching corner. <laughs> we got eight, and we have four coaches, so it's a two-to-one uh, player to coach. <laughs> oh my God. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of tough. I'm not going to lie. Uh, you can't really run five-on-five five with eight players, uh, and it's not the same just throwing a couple – 25 26 year old coaches in there so uh it's uh it's tricky like I said we haven't really seen a defense or an offense yet so we'll see how tomorrow night goes <laughs> are you running drills and practices or running in the oh, scrimmages yeah. so that we can get five on five y- running loosely yes okay okay <laughs> yes dude I haven't seen a two to one player to coach ratio since I was umpiring like AAU baseball and I, I was umpiring for this one team they stacked how many coaches they had. I think they had like nine coaches because they thought it was a legitimate tactical advantage. Um, they they thought that they basically would have unlimited mound visits because if you know how the rule is, if a coach visits a mound twice in one inning, they got to pull the pitcher. Yeah. Well, they thought that if it's a different coach every time, oh, geez. and then I had to be the one, me, a 17-year-old umpire, I had to be the one who had to tell the manager, hey, you got to pull that guy. It's the second time a coach has been out one inning. He tried to fight me on it. And I did ask him, sir, have you ever watched a baseball game, which probably did not go over that well as a smart-ass 17-year-old umpire. But it was a legitimate question because they thought that was was a real strategy they could employ. Well, I bet some of those dads were thrilled once they learned that wasn't the case that they could stop showing up. Um, (laughs) No, 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 no. Trust me. If you saw these dads, you know that this game meant more to them than the actual players. I don't think that's the case with your team, though. No, pretty pretty hands-off parents, so great great group. (laughs) All right, let's get back to the Navy game. Sorry, that was uh, a fun (laughs) aside, though. All right, what what could you tell us about their defense? Uh, they, They are a little bit, I guess, feisty is a word that I've seen thrown around a little bit. Um, but they're pretty good, which isn't something you would typically you know, think about when you think of a Navy football team. Well, see, I wouldn't say they're necessarily good, but I wouldn't say they're terrible either. They do have a good rush defense. They only allow 88 yards a game on the ground. Um, Air Force got the 200 on like 50 carries, though. Um, but they're, they're pretty good metrics. Uh, they're second in stuff rate in the top 10 in success rate in EPA. But like I said, I don't think Notre Dame should deviate from who they've been the last few weeks. And that's where I think the real test comes is like, all right, you know who you are now. Stick to it. I don't really care. Like, look at what you just did against six draft picks. Um, Do the same thing again. Go out there knowing that Joe Alt, Jarrett Patterson, and Blake Fisher are going to beat the absolute hell out of whoever is lined up across from them. Um, So that's what I'm looking forward to. Now, one area of concern, particularly in a limited possession game like Navy often is, 
They forced 10 fumbles this year. So I'm looking at you, Audric. Hold on to the ball. Uh, <laughs> stay stay hot here. But that's that's something to, to watch out for. I'd say the best player on this defense, uh, they got a hybrid linebacker safety named John Marshall. He really does fly around and, and make things happen. So it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame matches up against that pretty aggressive rush defense, which because they're so aggressive – They've been a little bit susceptible in the past game to getting shredded at times. Uh, it's about the inverse in stats. They're 131st in EPA per pass, 126th in PFF's coverage grades, and they allow 8.8 yards per passing attempt. Um, they, they've allowed a lot of passing plays of over 20 yards or more. They they rank 118th there, so it's not pretty stuff. It, it is an opportunity for Drew Pine to find his touch. Yeah, that, and I'm glad you mentioned that because while I think that Notre Dame should – lean more on the run game obviously that's their strength that's their bread and butter I would like to see Notre Dame air it out more one because of uh just how truly awful Navy is at defending the pass for all those stats that you just mentioned but I just don't really think like as one-dimensional as Notre Dame was against Clemson I think they they ran it nearly 75 percent of the time and I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that it clearly worked and Notre Dame should definitely run more than they pass going forward but I just don't think the output that we've seen from Pine is sustainable. So do you think Notre Dame should try to air it out more? Like, how do you think they will try to balance, if, if they even try to balance it at all on Saturday? I mean, there's obviously an opportunity for it, but I'm not sure I would go for that right away. Um, I'd like to see Notre Dame build on that identity that they've seen to found in the past few weeks. And just that identity is, is a running football team. So on the first drive, I'd like to see the Irish run it down Navy's throat right up and down the field. I think that's how you build by sticking to your identity. Um, and I think that if they were to, you know, go to the passing game and it's not working right away, that's how you potentially fall into a trap like they did against Stanford. Uh, yeah, where that's fair. It, it, um, So that said, I would like to see some development in the passing game, but I, I want them to get off to an early lead by just sticking to their identity and just running the ball down their throats. Yeah, I guess it could be like a reverse where if Notre Dame gets a big lead, then they can actually incorporate the passing game a little bit more because Which they have a doesn't, like, logically, yeah. it doesn't make yeah, a ton exactly. of sense, but that is how I see things sort of progressing. Yeah. It goes against every sort of football theme or just, like, how games typically go. I guess I'm still holding on hope here that we could get uh, not necessarily a BYU game out of Drew Pine. I don't think that's what we're going to see this weekend at all. But the fact that we did see it, we saw that it is possible for Notre Dame to have some semblance of downfield passing attack. I don't know. I, I just think that Notre Dame can certainly win out going the route that they did against Clemson. Uh, I think that based on what I've seen from the, the USC rush defense, like Notre Dame could run for like three to 400 yards on those guys. But when you are just so one-dimensional, I feel like Notre Dame could run into a defense that just is like, we're putting nine in the box and, and just daring you to throw, maybe not nine, eight in the box and making it a little bit more difficult for Notre Dame. Because now that they've shown that on, on tape against Clemson, where they were like, we're just, we're not even going to consider passing, it gives other teams who aren't as good as Clemson an opportunity to be like, we're just going to be super aggressive and try to stop the run. That's, I guess that's how I'm looking at it. Well, especially when you consider that everybody in the national media now refers to Jaden Thomas as a tight end. Um, and so maybe he is a tight end. <laughs> I think he's he was, a tight end now. <laughs> he was the only receiver with a catch last week, so really that means no receivers had catches. Joe Wilkins hit the portal this past week, which is kind of interesting timing, if you ask me. Yeah, we didn't even mention that. Should we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, Freeman was asked about it and just basically said, you know, I think he probably wanted to play a little bit more than he did, and we wish him all the best, but there wasn't a whole lot of color given around that. But when you take that into account, not that he had been playing a ton, that basically means... 
and this is this is looking at Jaden Thomas as a tight end, which obviously he's not, but he does line up in some situations where it looks like it. They have a receiver in Lorenzo Styles who can't catch the football, and then they have Tobias Merriweather who's flashed a couple times, and Braden Lindsay out there who's been blocking his ass off, but yeah. um, they can't throw the ball to him. So <laughs> I don't really know what they got out there from the receivers. I would really like to know the origin of the Jane Thomas tight end because it started in the Syracuse game. Uh, McElroy was on the call for that one, and he was just referring to 83 Thomas as a tight end. Uh, he said it at least five times. Yep. And then I think Eric McLean, the uh, Clemson former offensive lineman, ACC network guy, he was on the Shamrock this week, and he kept referring to 83 as a tight end too. And then Dan Orlovsky did it in his breakdown today as well. I really should have – I got into it with some Georgia fans today who were trying to claim – and a beat writer who – listen, if you want to argue Brock Bowers, Michael Mayer, that's fine. But they were trying to say Darnell Washington is a better tight end than Michael Mayer, and it drove me nuts. I have friends who went to Georgia who are big Georgia fans, and they were like, that is crazy talk. So, But I wasted probably my entire lunch going back to Georgia (laughs) fans about that. But I should have just said, actually, you know what? I think this Jaden Thomas guy, he might grow to be a better tight end than Darnell Washington. (laughs) Yeah, Notre Dame's combination of of pass catchers. Because Mitchell Evans, since his return, has been an awesome blocker. Uh, and a great QB sneak quarterback, yeah. whereas Thomas is the one make the plays. There must have been some some issue with the SID or something where, like, the roster that ESPN got for Notre Dame listed Thomas as a tight end. Because you're right, it has happened over and over. I'm convinced he's a tight end now. Maybe Reese has, like, told them in production meetings or something that they consider Thomas more of a tight end. Now, I don't know, but you're right. Notre Dame just doesn't have any receivers at this point. No, no. They lost <laughs> Davis for the season before it started. Wilkins is gone. Thomas is apparently converted to a tight end. And everything else you just mentioned, like I don't I have no idea what to make the Lorenzo Styles can't catching the ball thing. Yeah, it happened again this past week too. We didn't even yeah. talk about it because it was, so it was so yeah, it was so irrelevant to the to the course of the game, but it's still just alarming considering I thought by this point in the season he would be a clear number one. And that's just there not, isn't there isn't a, a one or a two. It's Mayer, I mean, <laughs> oh, and then two is Thomas, I guess. But yeah, I, I don't know. I want I wanted to chime in with your uh, when you were going at it with these Georgia people because you were getting it was like four on one at one point. You were hearing it from yeah. all different. And the first tweet I saw was actually the the original tweet from a Georgia account saying that Georgia is the number one and number two tight ends of the country. I saw your reply that Notre Dame is Michael Mayer, and then I just saw in that little reply thing like twenty five replies, and I knew, I knew it was trouble then. But if you're if you're arguing Bowers and Mayer, like you said, like that is a legitimate argument. Bowers is a stud, Mayer's a stud, but I don't know how you could look at the stats and say it's different when literally Notre Dame's only passing game is throwing it to 87. Whereas and that's Georgia's, what I kept yeah. saying. <laughs> I was like, and they don't have a quarterback. They don't have receivers. And he's still, the defense knows the ball is going to him and it doesn't matter. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And throwing Washington in that loop. Like Georgia fans are on top of the world right now as they should be, but they could use a, a dose of humble pie. Um, all right, let's get back to Navy. Navy on offense um, hasn't been great this year. Their starting quarterback, Ty Lavate, uh, is out for the season. He suffered a knee in- injury against Temple a couple weeks ago. So they got Xavier Arlene. I think it's airline. I don't know. I thought it was airline, too, which is ironic because it's Navy. But I think it's A-R-L-I-N-E. So I'm probably wrong. Uh, anyway, Xavier played a little against Notre Dame last year. He even completed a pass, 18 yards. 
watch out for the air raid on Saturday. Uh, I'm kidding, but they do actually try to throw the ball more, a little bit more than they normally do. Most of that is just because their running game stinks. Uh, it's kind of out of necessity, which should theoretically work in Notre Dame's favor. Uh, Navy is outside the top 100 in scoring offense and yards per play. Um, it is just a, a it's been a rough few years for this group. And it's one thing for them not to score a ton of points. I think that kind of makes sense considering the way that their offense runs. But they're 122nd in yards per play, which is more concerning because even on bad Navy teams, like they're they're typically good at least moving the ball downfield. Like they can accumulate a lot of yards over the course of a game just because teams aren't prepared for the triple option and, and they just it's difficult for them to convert on scoring opportunities every time. But that's that's not the case this year. One thing I did notice about this group uh, their offensive line is a little bit bigger than they used to be, uh, but they just haven't been as productive. But the average weight among the starters in their offensive line is 287, which is pretty good by their standards. Uh, you know they're going to cut block a lot, and Notre Dame's front seven is going to have to stay disciplined. So for me, I think this game, uh, or at least this side of the ball, is going to be the more interesting part is going to be Al Golden, because uh, this is his first time going up against Navy as the D.C. at Notre Dame. So how do you think he's going to try to stop uh, Navy's triple option attack? Because I feel like every time there's a new defensive coordinator in Notre Dame, they always, they always throw in a few wrinkles uh, that we haven't seen before. Now, he did go up against it a couple times as the head coach in Miami when they played Georgia Tech. Um, so at least he has some experience there. And Marcus Streeman has some experience going up against it as well. He talked about in his press conference today how when Cincinnati played them in 2017, uh, Navy gashed them for 569 yards. He knew this the number exactly, so he hasn't forgotten that. So I would expect him to be a little bit more involved in this game plan this week too. But, yeah, I, as to how they're going to attack it, um, I imagine it's something they worked on in the offseason. I know they spent a little bit of time with it. I think he said – I think I think they said actually going into the Syracuse week or something like that. Um, it might have been either going into Clemson or Syracuse, but – it's probably like a, it's probably a JD Bertrand game, I guess, just running oh, downhill yeah. at guys. Um, we'll see. It, I'm interested to see if Maris Leofau can build off of a really good performance from last week, where he actually looked like a football player, not just somebody standing around. But it will be very interesting to see that matchup. Yeah, so Notre Dame does prepare for this in advance. Uh, Sam Bush, friend of the program, former walk-on offensive lineman in Notre Dame, chewed out something that was pretty funny this week, saying. Shout out to Wapu Nation, especially the scout team. Scout team O is really tough this week, and, and it makes sense. So I, I asked him to elaborate a little bit more. So he said that when he was a player at Notre Dame, so he graduated my class uh, 2018, he said that typically during fall camp, whenever the ones and twos do film, scout offense goes out to the field, and they run triple option just to get the feel for it. So that's starting in fall camp. Uh, and then the defense will actually do a, f- a few triple option walkthroughs in camp as well, but they're not like fully in the mix. So... Then fast forward to when they actually play during the season, and they do start prepping for it usually two weeks before, uh, at least the scout team does when ones and twos are in film. So it's something that the, the team has been preparing for, uh, something the coaching staff has had to prepare for, but it, it's always unique. And you know what's kind of funny is as bad uh, as Brian Van Gorder was at defensive coordinator, awesome against Navy. Like he had the triple option figured out. Did he? I feel like 2014 was a shootout. It was a game that Joe Schmidt got hurt. Oh, you're right. That was a weird game. But did they have some like defensive touchdowns in that one too? That was the week after the Florida State game. That was a well, Brian Van Gorder. After. Brian Van Gorder. Um, <laughs> Paul Johnson hates him because when Brian Van Gorder took over the job at Georgia Southern, he said, "We're getting rid of the triple option here." 
And so then um, Paul Johnson played, I think it was Georgia Southern, and just put it on BVG. <laughs> he certainly wasn't the only coach to pour it on. Uh, but that's interesting. All right, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass here, but I thought that Brian Van Gorder was pretty good uh, going up against the triple option. I'm glad you mentioned J.D. Bertrand. I'm, I'm calling this right now. I think our boy J.D. is going to be pushing for 20 tackles in this game. It's going to be reminiscent of uh, how many did Teo have against Stanford in 2010? Didn't he have 21 or something crazy? Yeah, uh, he did. Um, I think that sounds right. But you know who was really good against the triple option? Uh, and somebody we talked Rear about Martini? earlier this week. Yeah, who's now on staff at LSU. <laughs> he was really good. There's always a couple linebackers that would like kind of play. This could be a Jack Kaiser game, too. It could um, be, yeah, after yeah. getting, like, what, seven snaps against Clemson? Yeah, yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be really excited to see what Al Golden throws at him. Um, apparently, this is a, a question or a, a primary point of every interview with a potential Notre Dame defensive coordinator, how would you stop the triple option, which then goes into why is Notre Dame playing. But we're not doing that. We are not doing that anymore. Uh, we got to talk about their special teams, too, because that is a third of the game. Normally, we don't do a little deep dive on that, but now, considering what Notre Dame has done over the past few weeks, Notre Dame's pump block unit is an extension of their offense. I cannot believe I'm saying it, but it's a fact at this point. As for Navy's kicker, uh, his name is Daniel Davies. He's not good. He's uh, 10 of 16 on field goals this year. Notre Dame, meanwhile, is one blocked punt away from the school record, which is seven. They actually did that twice, uh, back-to-back years in 1932 and 1933. So are you expecting Notre Dame to get one more on Saturday and tie the school record? Were they going up against, like, eight, like eight-year-olds punting in? Like, <laughs> 19, like, who are these teams running out there? But I do not have the 32 schedule memorized. Let yeah, me look okay. it up. <laughs> I feel like Navy w- doesn't punt all that often, to be totally honest with you. So it could be tough to get one in this game. Um, but I'm not ruling anything out against Brian Mason's unit. Okay, wait. I, I have the 1932 schedule pulled up. We have to go through it. Uh, first game, Notre Dame versus Haskell, 73 to nothing. Yeah, win. I believe that that's like a Native American school. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, there's not like a hyperlink for it. Then they played Drake. 62 to nothing. Then Carnegie Mellon, 42 to nothing. Wow. Then they lost to Pitt. Uh, and then they actually played some teams you might actually recognize. But maybe against Haskell, Drake, and Carnegie Mellon, they racked up seven black punts. There you go. Yeah, you're right. The Navy doesn't really punt a ton. They're actually pretty aggressive on fourth down, too, because they're they're usually in fourth and short situations with the triple option and everything. So we'll see. I think there'll be limited opportunities, but if Notre Dame does get one again this weekend, I, I don't even know what you do. with Does Brian Mason have to usurp Marcus Freeman's job? I feel like that's the next step. Possibly. Possibly. Well, I guess that, that's another question that's been brought up. Is People are worried that NFL teams are going to try to poach Mason. Do you see that happening? No, because I don't think that special teams coordinators in the NFL make all that much money. Yeah, I mean, they matter a ton. I mean, John Harbaugh was a former special teams coordinator, but um, we'll see. All right, Uh, you ready for some score predictions? Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to say 34-13, Notre Dame. I think it could be a sleeper, but I don't think this one is ever really in doubt. I think they get out to an early lead, and then just it's kind of milk the clock away time. Outside of the 2019 game, which Navy game wasn't a sleeper that Notre Dame won? Uh, There's plenty that they've lost in, in recent years. 2018 was a blowout as well. That's true. That's true. Last year was kind of brutal. 2017 was certainly brutal. 2016 was horrific. 2015 was just weird, as was 2014. And then uh, I I don't need to go back any further. Yeah, (laughs) I think this has the potential to be a sleeper. I'm taking Notre Dame 30 to 10, so they would cover that 15 and a half. 
I don't have a stat to back this up, but it does feel like every time Notre Dame plays Navy, Navy gets a good opening drive. Sometimes they drive all the way down the field and score. Maybe sometimes they get that on the second drive. Again, don't have a stat. That's just general fan sentiment there. But once you get past that drive, though, Notre Dame should just completely lock them down. Uh, I don't see them moving the ball very effectively on Notre Dame's defense. What Notre Dame's offense will do, I guess that remains to be seen. I don't think they're going to light up the scoreboard, but they should have good field position for the majority of the game. Uh, I'd like to see a big game from Blake Groupie, honestly. He haven't heard his name a ton lately. I think Notre Dame finishes uh, with three touchdowns and three field goals, and that's on their way to a 30-10 to a 30 to 10 win. All right, fair enough. All right, you have uh, any additional thoughts on, on Navy as we wrap this one up? Nope, just like to get through this one. Yep. It's kind of fitting that, like, the best win of Notre Dame season, the most exciting game, and that we immediately got to follow that up with Navy. Yeah. Ugh. That's a wrap for this episode. We uh, hope that you enjoy the game on Saturday. And in the meantime, remember to subscribe to the show and follow us on social media at Sunset Irish. For Luke and myself, thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back with you on Sunday night to go over everything that happens in the game on Saturday. We'll talk to you then. Bye.